In the United States, a botched execution is said to have occurred, quote, when there is a breakdown in or departure from the protocol for a particular method of execution, end quote. In other words, when someone fails to follow the rules to the letter, shit tends to go wrong. And execution personnel are, as you're about to find out, certainly not immune from making mistakes. Hi, I'm Anna, and this is the Auditorium, your home for tales of the terrifying, twisted, and taboo. In this episode, we'll be looking at six cases of executions gone wrong. Some viewers may find the details of these stories graphic and disturbing. Therefore, listener discretion is strongly advised. Case number one. Lethal injection is considered to be probably the most humane of all execution methods ever carried out by executioners. The drug administered to a prison inmate during execution by lethal injection usually is made up of a cocktail of three separate drugs, one which anesthetizes the patient, a second which paralyzes them, and a third which stops their heart. And on average, it should take the patient under seven minutes to die. Furthermore, lethal injection, although there has been some recent controversy raised surrounding this claim, if administered properly, it is not or should not be painful nor felt by the person it's being administered to. But as we're about to learn, things don't always go as planned. Case number one is the case of an Arizona death row inmate by the name of Joseph Rudolph Wood. In July 2014, Wood, who was convicted of murder and assault, was scheduled to be put to death by lethal injection. This procedure, which normally takes 10 minutes or less, would end up taking roughly two hours for Woods, and he is said to have gasped and snorted through about an hour and 57 minutes of it following the administration of the lethal cocktail. Between 1.53 and 3.45 p.m., Woods was injected 15 times with essentially 15 times the amount of sedatives they had originally intended on giving him. One witness recounts hearing him gasp 600 times between the time this ordeal began and by the time he was finally pronounced dead at 3.49 p.m. Other witnesses similarly report that they could hear the prisoner snorting and gasping for air for more than 90 minutes following the initial administration of the drugs. A media witness described Woods' gasping being like a quote-unquote a fish gulping for air. In fact, the procedure was moving along so excruciatingly slow that Woods' attorneys even had time to file a motion to have the execution stopped. The judge's decision was to deny this request, although it wouldn't matter because it would arrive approximately half an hour after Woods had at last been pronounced dead. Although Arizona officials proceeded to deny this was a botched execution, one has to wonder what accounts for so many injections over such a long period of time. Nonetheless, an investigation that followed upheld this initial claim. In essence, it was ruled that there had been nothing inhumane about Woods' death and that he did not suffer. That unlike his victims, some would point out. Case number two. Donald Eugene Harding was a spree killer who had been sentenced to execution by gas chamber to be carried out in 1992 in the state of Arizona. Controversy came to surround Harding's execution due to the fact that, like with our previous inmate, the execution took 11 minutes, which was considerably longer than expected or than it should have been. His execution has also been called notably gruesome. Let's have a closer look at exactly what went down. After being apprehended and put on trial for two murders committed in 1980, Harding spent about 10 years on Arizona's death row, during which time he would appeal his sentencing three times, only to have it upheld three times. Harding's execution was ultimately set for shortly after midnight on April 6, 1992. Following his final meal of fried eggs, bacon, toast, and some other goodies, Harding was led into the gas chamber at about 
The gas chamber was sealed and then a curtain was lifted, allowing witnesses to view Harding die. Then Attorney General Grant Woods would claim that at this point Harding laid eyes on him and began to yell obscenities through the glass. Other witnesses would vouch for this, stating that Harding also flipped the Attorney General off as the gas spread throughout the chamber. Harding's attorney, who was also in attendance, would go on to describe his client's execution as, quote, slow, painful, degrading, and inhumane, end quote, citing that he experienced violent convulsions and that he repeatedly gasped for air while his body also spasmed and shuddered. This lasted for several minutes before finally going still. Harding was pronounced dead 10 minutes and 31 seconds after the gas had first started being released into the chamber. The movement to see the gas chamber replaced with lethal injection gained significant momentum following the controversial nature of Harding's execution. Ultimately, in April of 1992, the state of Arizona would pass a bill which allowed current Arizona death row inmates a choice between the gas chamber and lethal injection. All persons sentenced to death subsequently would not be able to choose the gas chamber any longer. This would make Donald Harding the last inmate ever in Arizona to be executed by gas chamber without being allowed the option between that and lethal injection. Several people who witnessed the event would later claim that the execution was not only difficult to watch, but that it left an undeniably lasting impression on them. As a matter of fact, if you're interested in learning more of the details surrounding the specific case, do read the opinion piece written by Harding's then-defense attorney Jim Belanger. It's a rather long URL, so I will just include it in the description box for this episode. It's a piece that I would have loved to just quote in its entirety and stick it right under this bullet point, but of course it was just too much. Although, like I said, I urge you to have a look if you're further interested. For now, let's keep moving right along to the next case on the roster. Case number three. So far, we've seen how things can go awry with both methods of lethal injection as well as gas chamber executions, but this is far from where things end. Yet another execution famously considered to be a botched execution was that of murderer Alan Lee Davis, who despite having additional convictions, was sentenced to die for the murder of pregnant Nancy Weiler, whom he had beaten beyond recognition in the process of killing her. Davis would be executed in Florida, more specifically in July of 1999, via electric chair. Davis's execution would end up drawing media attention from across the whole nation. This after it was reported that he had bled profusely from his nose while he was being electrocuted. In addition to this, however, Davis also would suffer various burns while in the chair, burns to his head, leg, and groin regions. Despite the uproar, an investigation into the matter of these unusual occurrences would eventually lead to the conclusion that Davis had begun bleeding prior to the execution itself for the fact that he had been prescribed blood thinner medications for some unrelated health problem he had been having. It was also concluded that the electric chair had functioned as intended and as designed, thus that it should not be considered a botched execution. Furthermore, these conclusions caused the state of Florida to uphold the electric chair as a means of execution. Nonetheless, arguments against the use of the electric chair continued, from inmates and judges alike. The state eventually felt the pressure, it appears, as they decided, a lot like Arizona, to allow inmates the option to choose between death by lethal injection or electric chair. As of 2021, Davis remains the last inmate to have been executed in Florida's death row via electric chair. Case number four, William Williams, who was executed in February of 1906, remains the last person ever to be executed by the state of Minnesota. 
Williams was a Cornish miner who was sentenced to death for the murders of John Keller and John Keller's mother, and whose botched execution would lend a big hand in the abolition of the death penalty in Minnesota in as early as 1911. Williams was sentenced to death by hanging on February 13th of 1906. There were 32 witnesses present. What would have likely been a run-of-the-mill hanging otherwise? The problem was when everyone realized the rope that was being used to hang the prisoner had accidentally been cut too long. Consequently, when the trap door opened and Williams was to drop, instead of remaining hung in the air, he dropped all of the way until his body actually hit the floor, and in essence he did not die as was supposed to happen. It then took three deputies to hold Williams up until he would finally die of strangulation, an attempt which took an excruciating 14 minutes until death was achieved. Williams' attorney was quoted as describing the execution as, quote-unquote, a disgrace to civilization. Opponents of the death penalty in Minnesota would subsequently cite Williams' botched execution as a prime example for their cause. The death penalty was indeed abolished in the state in 1911, and it has not been reinstated since. Case number five. The name John Ketch may or may not ring a bell with some of you listeners out there. You see, as far back as the 1600s, John Ketch was an executioner by trade, who conducted his work under King Charles II of England. He would become known for the botched executions he performed, namely against political figures at that time. Two of the most well-known examples, perhaps, are those of Lord Russell and James Scott, the first Duke of Monmouth. Both were ordered to be beheaded by axe, with, of course, John being the one to wield the instrument. During Lord Russell's execution in 1863, it was said that, quote, the victim suffered horrifically after blow after blow, each excruciating but not lethal itself, end quote. This implied that Lord Russell would receive several blows of the axe before the execution was finally successful. Lord Russell's execution was handled so poorly, in fact, that it prompted John Ketch to issue a written apology. However, it isn't entirely clear how sincere an apology John intended for his letter to be, for in it he blamed Lord Russell for the failure to, quote, dispose himself as was most suitable, end quote. He seems to take little to no responsibility when explaining that, as a result of Lord Russell's error, he was distracted while taking aim on his neck. James Scott's execution, which took place in July of 1685, almost exactly two years later, similarly saw attendees up in arms, given the fact that it took Ketch five chops before he was finally able to sever the neck rightfully from the body. Another account would claim that it took Ketch between five and eight. The onlookers were described as being so angered by this display that were it not for the security personnel protecting him, they would have gladly torn the sloppy executioner to bits. We're going to wrap up this installment of the auditorium and our first list of a look at botched executions with the final case, case number six. And sliding in at number six, we have the extremely botched execution of a Thai woman sentenced to be executed by firing squad in 1979 after being found guilty of conspiring in a kidnapping and murder plot. The case of King Keo Lo Sung Noin was anything but sloppily well executed. Following the firing squad's first volley, King Keo's body was then transported to the morgue, as was customary. Except that this time, once in the morgue, a gruesome discovery was made. Authorities were first alerted by the victim's screams, and when they rushed into the room where her body lay, they were aghast to find King Keo attempting to stand up right there in the morgue. As it turned out, King Keo had a congenital condition known as situs inversus, 
which causes the major visceral organs to be mirrored from their normal expected positions. As a result of this, not a single one of the firing squad's bullets had pierced Kinkeo's heart. She was subsequently brought before the firing squad a second time for yet another round. This time, the execution was far more successful, and she died in January of 1979, the second woman in Thai history to be executed by firing squad. So there you have it, folks. Six unsettling cases of what are quite arguably six botched executions. For now, we're going to be wrapping up this episode of The Auditorium. I hope you've enjoyed yourself as I did. Please don't forget to like and bookmark the episode wherever possible. I personally can't wait to have you all with me again next time. Until then, here's wishing everyone a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, pleasant dreams. Thank you.